This is Age Well with Dr. Sophie Schotter. I'm your host, Fiona Mattesini, and this episode is all about acne. And I reckon for quite a short listen, we do pack an awful lot in with so much education and explainers. It's basically a really thorough consultation. Have a listen to this clip. We also have to remember there are lots of different causes of acne, like, for example, fungal acne, which is caused by a type of yeast. Sophie's also got loads of tips and advice. Here's a little preview. I think can be absolutely life-changing. And the lowdown on some of the treatments and options you will have heard of and a few that maybe you haven't. DIM is an interesting one. It's something called diindolalmethane and it can change the metabolism pathway of your hormones. Plus, a quick note to say that, just to give you a flavour of what this podcast is all about, we've dropped early release episodes for our first six weeks with some lovely prizes and giveaways on the socials too, so hopefully you haven't missed those. After this one, we'll be releasing new episodes every fortnight, so a short break next week, and then we'll be back the week after. It's basically every fortnight from here on in. Okay, here we go. Dr. Sophie's acne advice and protocols. So the acne episode, and uh, let's start with um, a little bit of data. According to the NHS, 95% of people aged 11 to 30 experience or will experience acne at some point in their lives. And studies also show it's becoming more prevalent among adults, particularly women. Now, as I think I've already talked about on previous episodes, my older daughter has had a really hard time of it. And I know that this is purely anecdotal, but it seems that a disproportionate number of her friends have had it or are having it too. So is there any reason for this increase? I think acne is surprisingly common. Most of us have encountered spots of some description at some point in our life. But when it reaches a point where it's a real problem for an individual, it can have such a marked psychological effect, which I think we'll talk about a little bit more. But we have to remember that lifestyle is changing so much. The way we live, pollution levels are higher than ever. We also have a lot more skincare products on the market that we're using. And if we think about some skincare ingredients that might have endocrine disruptors or through packaging, the exposure to microplastics. But I also think just use of skincare full stop. I was really shocked recently at how into skincare girls are becoming at a very young age. And we're talking about sub 10 years old. And imagine going and using complex skincare that might be fragranced, that might be very active well before they need it. And I do think that can cause barrier dysfunction. And in the long run, that can lead to inflammatory skin conditions like acne. Mm. And then, of course, there is also the fact that especially girls, but children are developing younger. It's now very common for girls to start their period when they're still at primary school. Mm. And so that can mean that acne or skin problems can present themselves a little earlier than they maybe once did. It's not just prevalent amongst teens anymore. Mm. And um, women apparently seem to be suffering more than men. It can be an issue for men as well. There are lots of men who've struggled with acne. But with women, hormones 
are one of the biggest causes and obviously women's hormones are really complex and Mm. also the cyclical nature means skin can be very very up and down progesterone and testosterone can drive sebum production and so if Mm. those hormones come out of kilter with our estrogen levels then absolutely we can become more sebaceous our skin produces more oil and as a result of that we can develop more acne Mm. and then you've also got the issue with some women starting more complex HRT and the fact that we understand a little bit more about hormone replacement now and sometimes that can trigger acne developing. It really is such a delicate balance and what so many people don't realise is our sex hormones don't function in isolation. Every single hormone system in our body talks to one another they're all interrelated whether that's your thyroid or your pituitary or your pancreas with insulin and Mm. when one of them is off kilter it can cause the others to become off kilter and that can have knock-on effects on every tissue of the body including our skin yeah and I do have a couple of friends who've been microdosing testosterone as part of their HRT regime, and they they have noticed that their skin's playing up. So it's like you fix one issue, you might end up having to fix another issue, as you say, because of hormones. So we don't want to focus too hard on on the biology or the causes of acne simply because it's been so well documented and quite honestly people can google all of this in a heartbeat so we're not going to do that we will get into a discussion of serious acne where people might be considering medication and other treatments but first of all what about external or lifestyle factors including things such as stress Stress is such a big component. So Mm. when you're stressed, you produce more cortisol. And a lot of people don't realize that the skin itself can produce cortisol. And cortisol, one of the side effects of that is increased oil production in the skin. And lo and behold, we end up with more breakouts. So cortisol is a huge driver of acne. If your diet is poor, and by that I mean ultra-processed foods, Mm -hmm. lots of Mm -hmm. sugar. Sugar drives cortisol, so that's a similar mechanism. Sleep, if you're not sleeping enough, then you're more prone to waking up with a breakout. And then also pollution, I guess, is one that's becoming more, more understood now but by mechanism of inflammation. And this is part of why I'm so not a fan of things like cleansing brushes, because they can actually push these pollutants deeper into our skin rather than helping to clear them. Mm-hmm. Another one is dairy. So some people find that dairy can be an issue. And as we'll come on to that, I guess, in a little bit more depth. But diet is a really big one exercise so so beneficial but if you don't shower properly afterwards it can cause acne through the sweat sitting on the skin and the friction of your gym clothes Mm. rubbing it in more and we do Mm. need to have a good and consistent skincare routine it doesn't have to be super aggressive and super complicated but so many people get panicky and use the wrong things on their skin when they're struggling with acne. But retinoids, niacinamide, there's a brilliant product called Clinisoos, and we use a different version of it in clinic, but Clinisoos helps to decrease the microbial load on the skin. And then there's also prescription or more medical grade ingredients like benzoyl peroxide or azelaic acid. Azelaic acid has been used for a long time for rosacea, but is also really beneficial for a lot of acne cases because it's anti-inflammatory, it's antibacterial, but not as harsh as some other products. Mm. 
let's go back to foods first of all and let's kind of tick that box because it is quite interesting with what you were saying about dairy and some people having reactions. What else in the food world possibly can cause or trigger acne? Yeah, so we've covered sugar, but within that, I also should caveat just generally foods with a high glycemic index. So that can mm-hmm. be savoury foods, which are converted into sugars. So white bread, white pasta, they're all worth thinking about. And glucose, in addition to spiking your cortisol, will also cause insulin spikes. And that can help increase the levels of androgens. And that can then increase the production of sebum. Mm-hmm. So sugars and high glycemic load products definitely to be minimized. Dairy, it's a complicated one because not everyone struggles with acne related to dairy. And this is where keeping a food diary can be helpful to try and understand what's triggering your flare-ups. But milk contains a lot of hormones and whether they're having a direct result, so through those hormones directly acting on us and on ourselves, Mm -hmm. or whether it's that the dairy itself causes hormonal fluctuations in us, will again vary between individuals. So it isn't one that is going to bother everybody. But I would say a food diary, if you're struggling with acne, is really sensible. Don't bother with organic milk in this situation. It's not toxins that are the issue. Mm-hmm. it's the naturally occurring things within the milk that it, hormone-free milk doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it comes from cows and they've exactly. got hormones. Yeah. <laughs> so if yeah. you're going to try substituting milk for anything, then try nut milk, oat milks and rice milk can cause quite big glycemic spikes in a lot of people. So for a lot of people, almond tends to be the best bet. Yeah, it's so complicated because, of course, milk also contains sugar, which is lactose, and that stimulates insulin, as you say. So it's, I think the food diary thing is the best way ahead for anybody because what's right for one person won't be right for another. And also probiotic foods as well. I've been talking to my daughter about get your gut sorted and that may help. Exactly. The gut-skin axis is so important. And as we say with so many things, eating the rainbow, helping to support your gut health, that will help to support your skin health. But there are so many great probiotic-rich foods. And on top of that, the potential to supplement with good probiotics. Yeah. But it's important to remember that if you cut something out, you're not going to see it overnight. You're not going to see the results of that overnight. You need to, Mm. for example, if you're going to try cutting out dairy, do just cut out dairy for six weeks, see what happens. If it's worked for you, brilliant. You can consider cutting out dairy long-term. If it hasn't worked for you, reintroduce it and then think about what to try cutting out next. So don't do everything Mm -hmm. all at once. and always make sure you're drinking plenty of water. Yeah, okay. And I'm also going to link into a study that was quite interesting about skimmed milk versus not, which we'll put in the show notes. Otherwise, we'll be talking too much about dairy. Just going back to skincare, which we have touched on, before we get to the kind of the big guns in terms of treatments and medications, going back to skincare, what products would you recommend? And Would there be any kind of particular routine as well as products or ingredients that you would particularly point people towards? I know you've mentioned retinoids, which I think we'll get to, but in terms of products and and general skincare, if it's not too serious to warrant medication? I would still advise seeing a skin specialist. 
doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a doctor or a dermatologist. There are many real skin experts who are therapists, but who still work with good quality, more science-backed products. It's important not to go too hard and too heavy on the active ingredients because it can actually make the skin condition worse. And Mm -hmm. we also have to remember there are lots of different causes of acne, like, for example, fungal acne, which is caused by a type of yeast. So Mm -hmm. some people can try everything and their acne still isn't clearing up, whereas if they just had a consultation with an expert, something different might have been spotted. Mm-hmm. So starting with expert advice, niacinamide can be a great ingredient for helping to regulate oil production. It's important to remember that a lot of acne prone skins might not need moisturizing creams, but will still benefit from hydrating serums. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually tend to keep a routine relatively simple, a cleanser that can be used all over, nothing too aggressive. I will tend to add in some sort of acid-based product as a toner. And some people with acne can have quite sensitive skin. So going in heavy with lots of salicylic acid can be irritant rather than beneficial. I'll judge which one I use based on the individual skin. Mm-hmm. And then a really nice lightweight hydrating serum and a sunscreen specifically chosen to be non-comedogenic so that it won't worsen the acne. And then at night, keeping it very simple, but instead of the sunscreen, using a retinoid. And we can add extras in there like niacinamide. You can have all of these added little extras, but a skincare routine for acne doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, there are some great ranges that you can buy off the shelf. I think it's Serafe that have got uh, quite a good budget range if people are on a budget. And then, of course, you've got other ranges. Yes, Serafe is excellent. La Roche-Posay has a great acne range and one that's a little bit less well-known, but a great price point is Bioderma. They have their CBM range, which is specifically designed for acneic skin and is excellent. Mm. I had um, a few spots on my nose about the time that I started HRT. I'm off HRT now. And I was told it was hormonal acne, which really surprised me. And I was given a topical antibiotic. And I, Sophie, I can't remember the name of it, but I remember there were two O's in it. Maybe you can remember it. You're not talking about Sulantra. Yes, I am. Uh, yeah. So that's not an antibiotic. Oh, okay. Right, good. <laughs> that's more for rosacea. It kills off the demodex mite on the skin. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I used that and it was very good. So let's go on to the serious stuff, I guess. Prescription medications such as Accutane and antibiotics. What are your thoughts on all of this? Accutane, Roaccutane, I think can be absolutely life-changing. And over the years, Roaccutane's had a bit of bad press and people have linked it with mental health problems. But Mm. actually, the way it's used nowadays is a little bit less heavy-handed usually. It's usually used a bit more lightly and can lead people to remission from their acne. And for me, that is worth it in many patients. But patients do need to be carefully counseled to be on Roaccutane. Everything can go dry. So really severely dry chapped lips are a common issue. They will become very sun sensitive. So you really cannot be outside in the sun on Roaccutane. Women have to be on some form of definitive contraception because Roaccutane is potentially teratogenic to a baby. So you Mm. must not fall pregnant while you're taking it. And it's one of those that can be absolutely fantastic, but needs careful monitoring and careful consideration. It's not just one to jump into. In terms of antibiotics, 
I fortunately see these being used less and less. A real fear for a lot of medics is this post-antibiotic apocalypse with resistance of microorganisms to various antibiotics. Mm. And you can give people a course of antibiotics and with the best will in the world, they often decide to finish them early, which can lead to increased resistance problems. And so now I really do believe in trying to avoid using them wherever is humanly possible. So that's not to say they should never be used in acne, but they should be being used less and less, which fortunately I feel it is happening. Mm. And then you can also use topical prescriptions I wouldn't use these alongside Roaccutane. If you're on Roaccutane, you have to use only the gentlest skincare focused on hydration. You should have no actives in your routine because you Mm -hmm. will likely become very sensitized and irritated. But if we're using antibiotics, I would always recommend that people start using topical skincare to try and address the cause of the acne. So whether that's using retinoids or something called benzoyl peroxide or combinations of these with sometimes also topical antibiotics and I mentioned the pill which can be extremely effective for some women if their acne is more hormonal Mm -hmm. and there's also a medication that is being used increasingly especially I find in women called spironolactone which traditionally was a heart failure medication but we have found Mm. can work really well in adult female acne through a local effect on hormones within the skin. Mm -hmm. Okay a lot there thank you so so much. Okay in clinic treatments and is this a case of would somebody come to you once they've controlled their acne and then they're saying look I've got scarring or would you be doing something while they you know, having acne itself, what about in clinic treatments? We will often help them to treat the acne itself. But you're completely right that sometimes people come in with acne and scarring and want to do something immediately to treat the scarring. But there's no point in treating the scarring until you've got the active disease under control because Mm. otherwise you're just going to get more scarring. (laughs) And then Mm. you've essentially spent time wasting money So always work to get the active acne under control first. And we've got lots in clinic that can be useful. Chemical peels are a great option. Mandelic acid, salicylic acid are both great ingredients. There is now a laser cleared for the treatment of acne called the Avaclear, which has some extremely impressive data. We can use blue LED light to help control the levels of the C. acnes bacteria. And even things like hydrofacial, which can be excellent options. We've got some really good treatments for active acne. And then when it comes to treating scarring, it depends very much on the type of scarring. If someone's just got hyperpigmentation, we'll usually treat that with topical ingredients and maybe with some laser or chemical peels. But if someone has deeper scarring, we need to be thinking a little bit differently. It might be that we use some microneedling. It might be that we use radiofrequency microneedling to try and really stimulate some good collagen there. And in some cases, people need to have subcision, which involves using a needle to break up the tethering of the scar, as well as Mm -hmm. laser treatments or deep chemical peels to really get deeper into the dermis than we can with many commercially available devices. On the other end of the scale, I guess, there are lots and lots of promises that are made on social media. There was a stage that my daughter was sending me screenshots like every other week. 
something called DIM, spearmint tea. What are your thoughts on things like that? So I really hate the fact that social media influencers are being seen as skin advisors. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I do a lot of social media, but I also understand skin. And I'll get a lot of messages on my Instagram, for example, which might be asking me to help someone with their individual skin concern. And I can't do that on social media. Social media is not the place for personal skin advice or medical advice. So there's no reason to think that many of these hacks are going to be beneficial. DIM is an interesting one. It's something called diindolyl methane, and it can change the metabolism pathway of your hormones. So in principle, DIM may help some women achieve hormonal balance, but it doesn't do it for everyone. It's one of those supplements that really should be more expert-led. Yeah, okay. Let's say somebody wakes up and it's a really big, important day. Let's say it's their wedding day, for example. They wake up with a spot. What would be your first line of defense for just that single unexpected spot on an important day? Oh, it's so tricky because the tempting (laughs) thing is just to get in there and squeeze. But then then you do risk making it worse. If you have the luxury of finding it the night before, then actually pimple patches can be a lifesaver. And they can really help to take the swelling around the spot down. There are different types of pimple patches, which I'm happy to talk about a little bit more. You can get some good spot-busting ingredients, whether you use a little dab of salicylic acid or whether you use a little dab of a strong retinoid. And even on a non-prescription or not-so-strong level, La Roche-Posay has a brilliant, their Effaclar breakout corrector works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's the morning of your wedding and you've woken up with a monstrous cyst or nodule, I would try and urgently get in with your friendly dermatologist and see if they would consider giving you a little steroid injection into it. And these can be magic, but they don't come without their risks, which is why I would only advocate it as a quick fix treatment for one of these life changing occasion events. Mm, Okay. So yeah, pimple patches, overnight treatments, things like that. What would you recommend? So there's a couple of different types of pimple patches. They fall into two families. One is hydrocolloid patches. And these are great if you've got a white head or a really superficial spot. You put one on it overnight, you'll wake up in the morning, peel it off, and you'll see kind of a white circle over where your spot's been. Mm -hmm. And that's the water that's soaked into the patch out of your spot. So you should find that even if it's not gone, your spot is a lot flatter and therefore easier to camouflage. If you've got a deeper spot, then you can get these little patches with microdarts, which are really quite effective. They can help to deliver the spot-busting ingredients deeper into the spot itself so that you can hopefully help improve them overnight. My personal favourites that I have on the shelf are the Zit stickers. So Zit sticker with a CK in there and then an A on the end. They're fabulous. They work really well and they have both different types of pimple patches as well. What about covering a spot? Uh, Makeup, concealer, stuff like that? Makeup artists seem to be able to do it miraculously. I will be honest, if I've had a spot, I've always struggled a little bit when I've put my concealer on. I will let that sit there before I try and pat it in. And I try Mm. and sort of blend it around the edge without touching over the top and then set it with some powder. And that seems to work relatively well for me. If you've got a lot of redness going on, you might want to consider a colour corrector. So green colour correctors tend to be quite good for helping address underlying redness in the skin. 
Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I remember in my 20s, I used to dab a toothpaste on spots. Do you remember that one? People used to do oh, that. I know. <laughs> that was a popular one when I was at school as well. Absolutely no benefit to that one. <laughs> um, I think it would be good to end on the mental health factor mm. and self-esteem because you did touch on this and I'm so glad that you did. I've always had reasonably okay skin and it's very easy for people to forget that for people that do suffer with acne, it's it must be so debilitating. Absolutely. If I think about I've had good skin. I've always been relatively lucky. But if I wake up and I have one quite obvious spot, that has such a big impact on me. And I'm convinced Mm. that everyone is talking to my spot, not to me. (laughs) And so I can't imagine how it must feel to someone who does struggle with acne. There's quite a lot of data available on this. And and studies have shown that even up to 40% of acne sufferers do have depression and anxiety. And that even six to seven percent feel suicidal so this isn't just a skin disease this is a disease that affects the image we put out into the world and can massively impact on how people feel about themselves so it's really important not to belittle that and to acknowledge that there are people like this you may know some of them and if you are feeling like that that you should seek out professional help both on the skin side and on the mental health side Well, Sophie, thank you so much. You've captured so much in this one episode and I know it's going to be really useful for a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you so much, V. And that ends our podcast. If you want to explore more of what we talked about, simply head to the show notes. We've done all of the research and noting down of names, ideas, any studies we mentioned so you don't have to go digging. To be ahead of the latest episode, press follow on Apple Podcasts. That's the little cross on the top right. Or simply hit follow on Spotify or whichever podcast app you use. Also, do follow Sophie on Instagram and TikTok. There's loads of great content and little explainers on there. Search for Dr. Sophie Schotter. Finally, if you're close to London or Kent, you can book a consultation with Sophie and find out more about who she is and the range of treatments and services she offers via drsophieschotter.com. And by the way, there's some great blog content on the website too. My name's Fiona Mattacini. On behalf of myself and Sophie, please do take a moment to rate and review the show. It all helps. And of course, thanks for listening. Thank you.